0: When you meet someone, do you wonder about their story? If you're like me, you're always interested in the lives, hopes, and dreams of people. Stories Connect People podcast will bring you interesting, inspiring, and compelling stories from people just like you and me. Stories that will inspire you. They'll make you laugh. You'll learn. They might even make you cry. But above all, you will feel connected and closer to the people around you. You may see yourself in these stories. You may feel connected because you share similarities in your own journey. There are rich, interesting stories closer than you think, maybe even yours. Thank you for listening to Stories Connect People. I am Polly Van Duzer, your host. Meet my guest today, Tiffany Knowles. What a spark Tiffany is and you are going to just love her beautiful personality that exudes in listening to her story. She shares how her life as a young person is much of the foundation for her life today. Her early story actually starts with storytelling. It led to a national storytelling competition where she won and it is an incredible skill she has built into her life as an author, magazine founder and editor, voiceover artist, university professor, business owner, and overall champion for greatness for others. How can one person offer so much? Listen to my interview with Tiffany to find out. And to top it off, you will be so moved by her love for her family, how they have influenced her life, how she and her father partnered on a book project, which is just one of many projects, to bring to life the story of immigrants in South Florida who have overcome the greatest odds and who are still full of life and contributing so greatly to the community. Welcome, the beautiful and inspiring Tiffany Knowles to Stories Connect People podcast. Tiffany! Tiffany! Hi, how are you today? Thank you for joining me on Stories Connect People podcast. Welcome.
1: I am so excited to be here, Polly. Thank you so much for inviting me.
0: Well, what I love about podcasting is that I get to connect with and interview people like you, people that uh, I don't know or that I might otherwise not have met. And so this is uh, so exciting for me, but it's just such a great way to connect with people. and um, And I just love that about the podcast.
1: Me too. I'm a story girl, so I love stories.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, this is perfect. Your your interest in story and storytelling is such a perfect alignment with <laughs> Stories Connect People podcast. But let me um start by say uh, by just um talking about how I got connected to you. So my friend and industry colleague, a uh, big shout out to Stephanie Foster. Um, we are both in the payments world, and um, she listened to the podcast and wanted to introduce me to her friend, you, Tiffany. Yeah. And um, she said she might be a good possible guest. And so um, first of all, Stephanie is just an amazing uh, networker. And mm-hmm. I call it like network, like being a broker of people where you say, yes. you know, hey, I want to introduce you to, to this person. And so she she's really great broker. about
1: her. <laughs> <Perfect. laughs>
0: she is, she mm-hmm. is. So she's really great about doing that. And so I appreciate her connecting us. So Tiffany, um, you live in South Florida, and you're an author, and you're a voiceover artist, and an adjunct professor, and a small business owner. Is there anything that you don't do? That's incredible.
1: I do a lot of stuff, and it sounds a lot. Okay, everybody, it sounds like a lot, but you just have to figure out how to compartmentalize, and every hour counts for something else. So, uh, and and not all the things that I do. Do I do every day? So mm-hmm. that's why it, I, I could manage all of it. So
0: yes. Well, I was um, just—I uh, made a comment to somebody. She's a voiceover artist, so I'm going to feel very inferior talking to her <laughs> <Not> <laughs> because you're going to
1: you because amazing. you're going to
0: sound so great and um, you think
1: microphone. So you're so cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I just wanted to um. Uh, To say how excited I am uh, to connect with you. And so, and I had shared this with you when we uh, connected before the podcast a couple weeks ago that I had just that day talked to another lady, Julie Farmer, who I interviewed um, for a, um, her whole story was around um, helping people find their way to. to citizenship, so she has this citizenship program that she um, that she teaches through the Catholic um, through a, a Catholic uh, nonprofit, and so mm-hmm. um, it was incredible that I that you were doing some similar work, and so I'm so excited about uh, connecting you with Julie, and I and I absolutely have to do that. Um, and right. so I know that uh, that's a big part of uh, what we want to talk about, and which um, blends in a little bit of the storytelling and, and how you got into helping the, um, or working with uh, the immigrants as well. And so, but why don't you start before we um, talk about that? Just uh, uh, tell me a little bit about you, uh, maybe like early years, you as a child and what was life
1: like? Okay. Well, I was always a voracious reader and I loved drama. Like I loved acting things out. So it's funny that you, Told everybody I'm a voiceover artist. That's not what everybody knows about me. They they hear me on commercials, but they never know it's me. Um, but <laughs> I remember my, myself and my brothers. We would love recording our voices. I don't know. Did other people do that when they were kids? We did. For
0: we played. We played doctor and in okay. teach, teacher. <laughs> you know, school. We were we we were teachers and things like that. <laughs> Well, that's okay, really we,
1: cool that you did this. Those things too, but I remember, like in the summer when we would be at home, and also our parents. My my were from a family of immigrants. My mom is from Jamaica. My father's from the Bahamas. So during the summer, my mom would take us to Jamaica to be with her family on on the farm because that's where she's from, a rural part in Jamaica, and. You know, it's away from the city. So we had to find cool things to do. And we would play outside with the dogs, with the cows, with chickens, as well as, you know, just play catch outside. But we would also do things that we, I guess, maybe would be considered a little bit more techie. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. we would take our. Our radio, and we'd do hit play, record, and then you could record your voices, and we would sing, that's <laughs> and then so we would cool. hear it back, and we would just tell stories or read. And then I just I want to know where those recordings are because it was such a highlight. We used to love doing that, and so I guess that's how I got into a lot of the the reading and storytelling.
0: But well, after yeah, after,
1: yeah, after that, I just became. I just fell in love with storytelling. And um, I remember in was it was middle school that I got into that art. And so that art is like an age-old art form where, you know, lots of civilizations have a great oral history. So our was our gifted teacher in the sixth or seventh grade, she mm-hmm. said, I'm going to enter you guys into a storytelling competition and put you in... Um, in that world. And she talked to us about the storytelling capital of the world, which is Jonesboro, Tennessee. And how interesting
0: a place that a lot of
1: people may not have heard of Jonesboro, Tennessee. Correct. I mean, you know, maybe you know, Tennessee, but have you ever heard of Jonesboro? So it's in East Tennessee. And so what we did was we chose our favorite story and we told it, but you can't read it. So you have to take on the characters and the voices and the and the action and the drama of the story. And so I did that and she decided she'd enter me into this competition, which is how I got into storytelling and became the National Youth Storytelling Olympics winner. So how long did you do that? So I did that all throughout junior high and high school. And oh, that, wow. sp- that spilled into my current career. So I carry it everywhere. <laughs> since so that
0: what uh, So what did that look like for you? So you were in front of an audience, in front of a panel of judges. Right, you yeah. memorized the story. Where are they short stories, long stories?
1: Yes. So they're short stories. So they shouldn't be more than about five Five seven minutes, you could tell longer stories, but it, you know we we try to keep it around there. Uh, some could be shorter than that. And memorization is the cursed—that's the cursed word, right? We never memorize. That's what they would say. You learn it. You learn okay. a story because anything can go wrong in the middle of your story. Right. So what are you going to do if something goes wrong? Well, you take on a voice. <laughs> you appeal to your audience. You dramatize it even further you may <laughs> repeat a line whatever it is but you learn that story like it's your story wow. <laughs> and you tell that, it that's so cool mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: so um after a period of time you were when we uh, connected a couple weeks ago you were sharing that um that your stories um uh, that your dad started to um, write stories for you for your competition. And I was so moved by that because one of the things that I um, loved most uh, when we talked was just the love it seemed to ha- that you seem to have for your family and I'm such a family person and so um and have a huge weakness for daddies and so <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so tell us about that and how that
1: um how that was integrated into your uh, storytelling <laughs> sure so he really loved it that assignment that our teacher gave us and when he found out that it was being put into a competition he was like oh you know what I would like to write the story that you compete with. And I was thinking to myself, you know, there, there are tons of stories I could choose from, like, you know, literature that exists already. But he he was insistent. And he always said, um, will I ever steer you wrong? He always said that. And <laughs> it's true. My daddy, he's like, he's like the best guy ever. And he, uh, he you could tell he had this love for literature and writing. I remember whenever I would bring books home from school, you know literature all the way to high school he would just take them he i would read them and he'd read them after me so he just he's always loved literature and he wanted to lend his hand to my storytelling career and so um in the 8th grade when i competed in at the national level he decided he would write my story. Now, one of the coaches said, mm, you probably should go with the story that's already been written. And she gave me a lot of flack, actually. But my dad said, no, she's going to go with the story I wrote. <laughs> and it was an amazing fantasy. It was a great story. And by golly, I won with that story at the national competition in Tennessee. So he, he was right he doesn't steer me wrong. <laughs> how how proud was he when you won with his story? <laughs> exactly. So that's a funny thing. So my mom came to me. She came with me. She was the one who accompanied me on the trip. And it was so exciting because i had never been to Tennessee as, you know, a 14-year-old girl. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. Um, and she was there, right there in the front row, and I remember she prayed with me before I got on the stage. Oh, how special! Her. Yeah, like they—they they loved what what I did, and I—I I really, I really, sh- you know, shined. I just was. I remember not feeling nervous that you asked about an audience. Yeah. So there were hundreds of people in the audience and a story can be told intimately in front of a group of five, 10, 20, or it can be like at the festivals, hundreds of people. Right. So, eight, but you can hear a pin drop because everyone wants to hear it. So I remember after they announced my name, the winner, first place winner, Tiffany Knowles. Oh, um, You know, my mom, she's so (laughs) excited. She jumps up (laughs) and starts screaming. And then we go back to the hotel and we call my dad. He's like, did I tell you or did I tell you? (laughs) So everybody was really happy.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh, that's really sweet. That's a really sweet story. Well, you and your dad partnered again on something um, more recently, and um, I'm so excited for our listeners to hear about this. And so why don't you share a little bit about that story
1: um, and what led to the book? So, yes, my dad and I partnered on another project, and we always seem to be partnering up on things. But this time, we decided to write together. So after my storytelling career, I, I guess, I'm my father's daughter, I really loved to write as well. So I began to write for the the newspaper and the, the yearbook in high school and then the same thing in college. And I decided to, to pursue a career in journalism. And so I started writing for a living and telling stories, telling other people's stories because I was just I loved people, and I loved hearing them. I could sit for hours and listen to this, just like you, Polly, yes. <laughs> for hours and listen to people's <laughs> stories. And then I craft um, the written piece. Now, my dad um, started writing columns specifically for an online publication that I that I came up with in graduate school. And I said, you know, Daddy, we we'd love to hear your voice again. So you should you should write for for my publication. So he started writing, and he got he got really into it. Like he he's like, did you publish my last piece? He gets really. But he wrote this amazing column about it was a, it was a story. It was an extended story about. The immigrant friends that he has. So my dad's from the Bahamas, right? And mm-hmm. so he he's all of his adult years were spent in Miami, Florida, where I'm from. And he a very very diverse <laughs> a very, area, very diverse community. So we have immigrants from Latin America, immigrants from the Caribbean, immigrants from Europe, and and immigrants from Asia. And so we we meet a lot of people living and growing up in that area. But he knew tons of immigrants that had these exceptional stories, stories that people, if they heard it, they would either, number one, never be depressed again in the day of their life because these people have overcome too many odds, or they just will get up and start doing something. So he decided to write about this. Um, the story of a Cuban immigrant friend of his and a Jamaican immigrant friend of his. And he wrote it. And I was like, daddy, this is such a a heartfelt story. I love this. This should be compiled. Like these stories that you have should be compiled, like in a book. He was like, you think (laughs) I said, yeah, (laughs) I think so. So we decided we'd do that. So he interviewed a handful of immigrants. I interviewed a handful of immigrants. They are um, some of them are ordinary people that you would you know you would see and meet on the street and some of them are actually have a, uh, they're people of note so they some are have positions in government and entertainment. but they have battled incredible odds like being on a deportation order but then, turning their life around and becoming a king of real estate or, you know, their family dying, like five members of their family dying back to back to back to back to back, but like still living as if life matters. And so you can overcome. I mean, when you read these people's stories, you're like, you can overcome any and everything. It makes the little things oh my God.
0: that we deal with seem so insignificant when you hear about people overcoming such
1: obstacles <laughs> and still having such a love for life. Yes. yes, yeah. I know I've brought people to tears with this book because you just – you wonder how the heck have you been able to do this and live so – full of life and with so much grace and so much um, poise now. And so we decided we'd compile these stories. Um, We have Cuban immigrants, we have Guyanese immigrants, Nigerian immigrants, Indian immigrants in the book. And it's called Hola, America, Guts, Great Grind, and Further Traits in the Successful American Immigrant.
0: Say that again. That's beautiful. Hola, America.
1: Guts, Grit, Grind, and Further Traits in the Successful American Immigrant.
0: I love it so <laughs> much. It's a good book. So, talk a little bit more about how the book uh, came together. So, you did all of the so, you determined who you were going to
1: interview, mm-hmm.
0: and you all did the interview. And so, then what?
1: Yes. So, what we did was, mm-hmm. um, he. Had some people he wanted to bring to the table. I had some people. And because I still work in journalism, I freelance for a few publications, I I do have access to individuals that I feel like, hey, you know, their story should be in there. So I recommended um, uh, one who is a a a mayor in the South Florida area. He got he made it into the book. (laughs) And um, a Broadway actress, she's in the book. And so these people are from other countries, as you all know, right? So these are people who are living and working and impacting American society. But what was really important for us was to define the narrative of what we knew to be the immigrant narrative. I know that in the um, media landscape, political landscape, people maybe are um, have a negative view on some immigrants. Maybe mm-hmm. they demonize them. Maybe they think they are not. Um, they're not contributing. We just didn't know immigrants like that. The immigrants we knew were like really hardworking. They climbed to the top of their industry like Stephanie Foster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we knew those people and we were like, and by the way, my dad knows Stephanie. He used to drive us around when we were, <laughs> yeah, by the way, we, we, when <laughs> we were just getting into college. We were a part of a career development organization together. So yeah, always climbing, right? And so we said, we want to tell the stories of those people. I mean, come on. They're buying property. They're sending their kids to the finest schools. They are um, making money for the economy. They are contributing to business and industry, you know? And so, and I, we wondered how in the world did they do all of this? There must be a certain trait that they possess. And so we go into what some of the traits are. And the traits are kind of in the, the subtitle of the book Guts, Grit, Grind. You know persistence, building a network these are all things that if you know how to do well, you don't have to be an immigrant to be successful, but you can learn from what and some of these people like they leave everything they leave their family and their business and and, and come here with absolutely
0: nothing right. and no n- no plan for what they're going to do. they just have faith they have
1: faith and they start over. Can you imagine starting over at forty start cannot. <laughs>
0: I cannot imagine starting
1: over. No, no, no,
0: and, the, the, and that's what some of these people endure the the challenge that they have that they just that they start over literally from nothing, yes. from
1: scratch. And and sometimes they have a, a pretty good career in their country, <laughs> but there are limitations to that. So they said, "You know what? I want to take the limits off of my life and I'm going to find my way in another country in the US." is that country where you can be given that kind of uncapped potential. And so that's what ends up happening. So we began to get to get speaking engagements. People wanted to hear from us. We had began to sit on panels because of this book. And we just started telling the stories of those in the book. Like literally, it's, it wasn't that hard. We're like, yep, yeah, these are people. And we know dozens more like them. So <laughs> If you want to hear about the the immigration narrative, we'd love to share it with you. And that's what we began to do. So you,
0: I can imagine your parents are so proud of you. Thank but you how so. proud are you of them? How proud of you of your dad to yes. see him just be able to come to life this way with this but with this project, and, and it, you know, is is far beyond just a project. It sounds like that you're making such a difference in um, educating other people about mm-hmm. the life, um, uh, in life and struggles, and and what it takes you know, what these people have at the core in order to
1: um, have a successful life here. How proud are you of him? Oh, my gosh. You uh, you asked such a great question in that. I am so proud of my parents. I'm always boasting about them, you know, because they came from two third world countries and they did everything that, I'm, that we talk about in the book. They did it, too. <laughs> so when I speak about them when I'm on a panel or something, I will because, you know, my mom, she... Went to like the the best girls' school in her region in, in Jamaica because she pushed and pushed and pushed to get a scholarship, and and she. What's interesting, we actually write about her in the book. I remember thinking, how in the world did she do all? I call her a Renaissance woman because she she's. As a green thumb, she is an amazing cook. She keeps a wonderful home. She's a career woman. She's uh, an amazing mom. She's very loving. Like, she's all these things, right? I'm like, whoa, how'd you do all them? And then she hardly makes mistakes. <laughs> so, what a role model she is for you. <laughs> and so, I asked my grandmother one day, I was like, how the heck did she do all this and not be? not be defeated and and because she had she battled a lot of odds to to come to this country and to she attended school in New York to get a college degree she didn't have much money she would be hungry many nights and so i asked my grandmother when she was living how did she do this and she said she had a victorious mind she was too victorious in her mind so when she would see things that seemed like seemed difficult or they they were not she was not familiar with them. She didn't look at them as I can't do this. She looked at them as a problem to solve. I was like, whoa. I'm so moved by this.
0: I am so moved by just what you're saying about your mom.
1: It it's it's incredible. So yeah, I wanna be just like her. <laughs> I, hope I, I hope I grow up well, and be like her. I think you're I think
0: that you're on a very good path to make it <laughs> I'm glad. Thank you, Polly. So what reactions have you seen from the book? So it's um, allowed you to have a a platform, you know, to be invited to speak and the panel and,
1: and, uh, we you know, what else has come of that? Yes. So since that time, so we published it in 2016. And since that time, people have asked us, do you have any guides for us? Can you give us some instructions? If we're new in this country, like what should we do? And so the book is, is stories, right? But mm-hmm. stories that can inform your life, of course. But it's not necessarily a guide, a, ne- a how-to guide. So, we've, at, we've been asked over and over. So, what my dad and I decided to do was to create an online course series because it, it's, it, it's more instructional. So, mm-hmm. I am a professor of communication studies. So, I do teach um, as part of my living. <laughs>
0: and, um, I'm so interested in what <laughs> advice you give to your students. So, you'll have to answer that next. <laughs> okay.
1: So, I do instructional design as part of my living so uh, my dad and I said hey you know what let's put this together he's an amazing researcher and he was a businessman for you know most of his his life most of our childhood we knew him to be an entrepreneur he was a, the franchise, uh, owner of uh, Greyhound, the bus line in, in North Miami. So, oh, well. Wow. Mm-hmm. So we knew him to be extremely hardworking. Like, I'm going to tell this really brief story because- it. Oh, please I mean, do. You know, we have torrential rainstorms in Miami. We have hurricanes. We have hu- hurricane seasons and everything. So I remember one day it rained and poured all night and it flooded our front yard, our backyard, and even some of the street in front. And he had to go open his office. So he rolled up his pant legs all the way to his knees, his socks and shoes in one hand. And he waded through the water through our front yard to get to his car to go open the 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 station. And I was thinking, my gosh, what kind just stay home? I'm a child. Like, why is daddy going to work? This is ridiculous. But I'll tell you, Polly, I will never forget that day. And I, I didn't know what it meant then, but I know what it means now. That kind of work ethic is the only real thing we need to see as an example. And we can wade through anything. Like we can wade through life. Like as a child, you've seen that. Okay, this torrential rainstorm, this flood, mm, it's not going to stop my dad. So it shouldn't stop me either. So What an inspiration he is. I'm telling you. So that kind of stuff, we decided, hey, you know what? We will teach and we will train um, new immigrants, immigrants who come and who are trying to figure out a pathway to citizenship. And we decided, hey, we'll do this. He's been doing this since he was working in his business. Immigrants would come. They'd look for jobs. They'd also look, how do you fill this paperwork out? I don't know how to do this. And he speaks Spanish, so he would help both Spanish immigrants, people from Latin countries, people from the Caribbean countries, they would always come. And he's a great writer. Uh, He is a great reader. So he would read their forms, help them fill them out. And so we decided we can do that now for for people who are just like all those people he's helped um, as well. So we decided we'd do that together again.
0: (laughs) Well, your family is um, making such a difference there in your community and the work that you and your dad and um, are doing. It's just really incredible. I mean, you're you're and, and I told this to uh, Julie when I interviewed um, her. Is that you know it's like you're truly you're changing someone's life and and not just their life but the entire family, the children, the opportunity. Um, that you're creating in another
1: person's world is so monumental. Thank you so much, Polly. And I, I, you know, they're rock stars to me. They really are. So it's great to hear that people view them in that way. I don't know, because I'd share them with everyone. Like when we would go on field trips and when we were going to school, uh, everybody would say, can your mom come? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> because she's fun. She's very, very youthful. And she'll always make sure you have a great time and she'll take care of you too. So <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> she's great. She
0: sounds really, really special. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, just kind of a, a, a side that we were talking about is that you also uh, do voiceover work. And so I'm sure when you're Um, parents, you know, hear the work that you do um, in voiceover, they have to be so proud of that as well. But, you know, there's such a small, um, I have a friend that does voiceover work, but there's such a small group of people that do that and do it well. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Share a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. So I I started in voice after the storytelling, right? So Mm -hmm. my People started liking my voice. <laughs> and so they. It's said, a beautiful voice. I see why. <laughs> thank you. So they said, you know what? Can you do this voicemail the tree for me? Can you do this? Um, can you record this? And so my church in Miami, very much uh, predominantly Caribbean population. And so they wanted to make sure that the person on the voicemail service sound had a neutral North American sound. And that's what it's called in voice. So they, I was 12 though, like for goodness sake, this girl on the voice. (laughs) But they said, yes, Tiffany, can you please do this for us? So I came in, I remember, went into the minister's office and he said, okay, here you go. Here's the phone. Here's the script. Now go ahead and read it. Press one, press two, all these things. So I did that. And it was like my first gig, right? And then after... I love that you call it a gig at (laughs) twelve. So after that, I moved to New York for graduate school. I went to NYU, and then I people every time they'd meet me, they'd like we liked your voice, and I did. I did college radio here in, in okay, but I remember just still doing it, but doing it for fun and someone encouraged me, you know, you should probably take voiceover classes. So I did in New York. And after doing that, the the instructor said, you know what, there are people who can do this. And I know who they are. There are people who can't, and I won't even encourage them. But you're one of those who can. So I'd like to coach you to start getting you some real paying gigs. So she did that. And that's when I started getting the paid stuff. <laughs> the other stuff was for fun. So cool stuff. So Discovery Channel and Merriam-Webster and Crocs and and um I got a lot of work for my dialect. So this so, so this what I'm using now is a neutral North American voice, but but you have I, other you have other voices of I, Tiffany? yeah, because people liked those. I don't want to
0: hear other voices <laughs> of Tiffany.
1: so <laughs> yeah, so uh, when I think Discovery Channel was uh, an African dialect, they liked that. so and maybe because uh, they can't find too many, you can do them. so so here we go. Um, what are you doing? Do you want to go to the doctor? Do you want to go to the doctor with the way you are playing like that? you mm-hmm. you. You are my child. You should not be playing like that in the streets. Wow, that's incredible. So that's
0: what I would do. Well, can you say something that uh, you would say
1: in one of your voiceover projects? Is that allowed? Okay. So yeah, I like what I did for Crocs a lot. Because it was like only a few lines and I loved those lines. And everybody knows what Crocs are. Yeah. So the, the, the little
0: oh the little rubber shoes
1: (laughs) so yeah I did a few lines for them and it was great spot so let's see Um, okay so the first line was color yourself color yourself color yourself and then the other line was red makes me feel daring so I love I loved it, but the spot was beautiful when they put it together.
0: It was awesome. Oh yeah, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um well that's that's really neat. So you um also are a professor. Uh, so what
1: are some uh, pieces of advice that you give to your students? Oh man, I'm so tough on my students and here is the thing. I <laughs> I love that's like one of my favorite jobs, right? But My standards are pretty high because the standards in my home were high. Mm -hmm. So I think that may be my strength and my weakness in teaching because my mom was and is a teacher. She's one of the best I know. She's Mm -hmm. nurturing, but she has a very high standard for you as her student. And so I took that from her. But also, when my students are okay with passing with a C, like I'm looking at them like they're crazy. Like, wait, you're you're not okay with this, right? <laughs> so, when they come into my classroom, they'll see I'm, I'm fun, I'm energetic, I'm enthusiastic. I love using some of the the, the street slang and and whatever <laughs> that's new for them. <laughs> you know, like, hey, <laughs> you know, I know you guys got lit on the weekend, so I'll I'll do that. <laughs> but I will be very very. Careful to remind them of the standard, because if you don't know and I teach I teach communication courses, so I teach uh, I teach public speaking, which is a requirement for every student in college. So when they come and they're okay with the seventy, they're okay with getting a seventy two on something. this I, I make it very clear if no one has ever told you that is not okay. Because that is it's not okay. That's not okay. Because one, that's gonna hurt your chances at ever applying to graduate school. That's gonna hurt your chances at um getting a good, solid recommendation for your employer if you're trying to get a job after this. Because no professor who you, you get 70s in her class is she wanting to give you a recommendation, right? You know, and, and then that's just gonna hurt you overall because this is the time to start creating really good habits because these are your formative years that you're going to carry them on into your adulthood, right?
0: And raising your standards now yes, or making sure you have high standards now will carry will and carry out
1: into your life. I completely agree with that. That's in work. That's in raising a family. That's in finding a mate. That's everything, right? So your standard has to be high for yourself. And if no one's ever told you that it has to be high for yourself, let me introduce you to Tiffany Knowles. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the standards got to be high here, but you're going to um, be encouraged all the way through,
0: all the way. But a very foundational thing for you to to teach young <clears throat> young professionals um, in, in your classes, and so I think that it is um, a very good lesson that they pick up there that will be
1: uh, critical for, for their life. Yes. Yes. So I think that's, that's a big lesson. And, and I, I looked at my Rate My Professors. I never knew that existed. My brother said, go, oh my gosh, Tiffany, you got a hot chili pepper on ratemyprofessors.com. I said, <laughs> what oh, is that? I've never heard of that. Didn't know. <laughs> and so I looked, it's this website where the students go and they rate you and so I was like, what's the hot chili pepper? They say you're hot. That's what it means. You're hot. And I'm like, okay, well, what kind of hot? <laughs> so I go in and it, it means that you it, hot as in people come, go take her, take her class, take her class. You'll love her class. So I started reading the comments. They were amazing. Oh, She's She's hard, but she helps you so much. You will not leave without knowing her her subject. You know she has a lot of great work experience that she brings to the table. She, you know, she do not miss her class. Do your reading. She will be upset with you if you don't. <laughs> or, or make sure to come on time. Like these things that I'm like, good, okay, great lessons. <laughs> so you know, and I hope these students do read the reviews because it helps them determine what expectations do I should I have for this class.
0: Well who is your so we you talked a lot about your family. Is there anyone else that is an inspiration in your life? Ooh okay besides my family? Besides your family, just I didn't, you know, do you, is there someone that, you know, uh, um, a public figure or a, a, an author or just anything that, that you feel is, like, inspiring for you? Okay. Can I say two people? Of
1: course. Okay, <laughs> okay so the first is a public figure. The second is another family member, okay? okay. <laughs> so the first is Nelson Mandela. So I studied abroad in South Africa when I was in graduate school. I studied education and social reform. So we went to all of all over South Africa, which, of course, a, a country that had history of apartheid in their nation. So up until the 1990s, um, racial groups were still separated. Right. Mm-hmm. So we went there, and post-apartheid. And I remember reading Nelson Mandela's book *A Long Walk to Freedom*, and l- learning about his life and going to see his cell on Robben Island. Like this man lived twenty-seven years in prison. He comes out to become the leader of his nation. Like I, I can't. When you see that, you you can't see prison bars the same way. Right. It doesn't matter if you've been in abject poverty or imprisoned. <laughs> For twenty seven years, you can come out to still be a leader of your community, of your family, and even your nation. so his his speeches, his his words, his his story has inspired me um and inspired me all the more when I, after you know studying there. And I remember thinking, you know, if a country like that with such a history of, of, of separa- separation and segregation can come together and be called the Rainbow Nation because there are so many different dialects and tongues and people that live there, we can take a page out of that book and have reconciliation in this nation and every other nation. So that's a... Uh, to me, a uh, story. It's an inspirational story, and that's kind of how I want to live my life as, as a person who is an ambassador, right? And who well, you absolutely are. Thank you. <laughs>
0: oh man. So, so yeah. who is your other family member that
1: uh, is? <laughs> oh my um, gosh! Inspiring. I'm so surprised to hear this. So my little brother Zachary Knowles. <laughs> Zachary. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hello. So <laughs> he was, what tall. about Zachary is inspiring.
1: Well, first of all, tell us about Zachary. How old is he? Okay. So yes, yeah. so he, he he he's just over thirty now and is an entrepreneur just like my dad. And so he started his first business. When was that at twenty three? why did he get bitten by the entrepreneurial bug so early it's because he worked for my dad so he he had been working at, with at my dad's business since like he was 13 14 and so yeah. <laughs> he bought his first car when he was 15 16 cuz he he just saved money so why is he so inspiring we started a business together actually uh, we do we have a boutique lending firm for small businesses in Fort Lauderdale Florida and it's called Global Business Lending. So before we started that firm together, he had started his business, uh, I think, what was his first business? It was like credit repair or something in uh, 23. Oh. And the ins- his the story of inspiration is he's the youngest of us, but he has always been the, the one who's the biggest risk taker. He has been the one who will forge out on his own. And I... I kind of look at that and like, wow, you don't mind jumping out of a plane and then kind of constructing a parachute on the way down. (laughs) Like, you don't (laughs) mind doing that. Like, who does that? But I noticed that became more and more inspiring to me as I grew older because I do like safety. I like a lot of safety. He's not, he doesn't have a problem taking some major risks. And he has this saying that he went to school for business. So when he got his first internship on a trading floor, one of his coaches told him, "Um, Zachary, you need to learn how to embrace the loss. And he uses that as his mantra, meaning you failed, embrace that. You made a mistake, embrace that. Learn from it. You embrace that. (laughs) You embrace it because you don't want to Go that road again. You want to make sure you eat it, love it, so that it becomes what helps you to grow. And so comfort doesn't always help us. So I remember one of, I think his second business, he lost it in a fire. And he 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 remembers going in on that day, the, the office building manager called him and they all went, the tenants, and he saw the business that he had built for about two years go up in flames. He tried to go in and rescue his hard drives and f- to get his client info and everything. He was a kid, but he had built so much and start calling, starting over was like, well, wait, I'm going to have to start this again. But being in that fire and seeing him rise from that, I can say it can be done. Yeah, you can start over from scratch. You can start over with the knowledge in your head. You can start over with the skills in your hands. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. So that's why he's my second second figure of inspiration.
0: Now you talk about how inspiring your family is, your dad, your mom, your brother. You are so inspiring also. And then you're inspired by all of these amazing people, like that you highlighted in your book, that mm-hmm. have overcome such uh, great hurdles, and um, you know just re- re- really reinvented their life. And so it's, I mean, it's so inspiring just listening, just
1: listening to all of it. Thank you. And I think that's that's another thing when I. It's not because I wrote it or co-wrote the book. Do I tell people? I read this book. <laughs> I read this book for a dose of inspiration. If I ever want to feel lazy or unmotivated or just not willing to try something new, <laughs> like I can't do it. Read that book. I read that book. And I go through a story that it's like was one of my favorites. I'll go through the the woman who was from Trinidad who it was forced into a marriage at a very young age um she was she you know basically borderline raped and then had to um get out of that marriage it was abusive and she found another really amazing man and they moved mm-hmm. to the US and started a life here she was a nanny and you know they were undocumented and then they grew together got everything and then now have many different properties and houses and they give away money. They give away cars. I mean, it's incredible their spirit of generosity, but they remember when they had nothing, <laughs> literally. And so they, they want so much to help. And so when I see and I, and I read that story and I can imagine it, it helps me take on the next project and the next obstacle and overcome the next challenge.
0: Well, you're one to follow, because I think that you're going to continue to do such great things in your life. And thank you so much for um, being on the podcast. If our listeners want to, um, to check out your book or, or purchase your book, um, how do they go about doing that? And I'll put this in the show notes as well. Yeah, so you can go
1: to our website. It's holaamericabook.com so H-O-L-A like the Spanish hello (laughs) holaamericabook.com and you know you can read a little bit more about myself and my dad and see photos of us at our book signing and and then read a little bit about more about what we do and then uh, read the excerpt and all that and then yeah and you can purchase right there it's on Amazon as well
0: so you can purchase
1: there and then I'm I can be found on social media. Oh, tell us how to Not find so you on social dad. media. <laughs> my, I'm going to get my dad on it. No, my dad has to join because he has to um, man a Facebook group that we've created. So he's going to be on soon, but I, am, you'll have to,
0: you'll have to read the podcast comments. Uh, if, if he gets any on,
1: <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> read them to it. <laughs> so I'm on Facebook at Tiffany Knowles on Instagram at Tiffany Knowles. So, and Tiffany is spelt with an I, kind of an untraditional spelling.
0: And I'll put that in the show notes and it'll be in the title as well. Sweet. Well, from a storyteller to an author and someone that has made such a um, a big, such a contribution to the community and the lives of others, uh, Tiffany Thank you for sharing your story, your family's story, your par- about your parents who I just want to like hug them. <laughs> I I feel like that they're such amazing people. Thank you for sharing all of that with our listeners today on Stories Connect People podcast. It has been such a joy to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much, Polly. Again, thank you for the chance of me telling my story to to everyone else it's it's funny me telling stories i i forget that people actually want to know about me too so i'm glad to have done it
0: i really am thank you well you have a really special story so thank you so much thank you for joining today you're welcome
1: thank you for listening
0: to stories connect people podcast if you enjoyed this please subscribe listen rate or share with others I look forward to being with you next time on Stories Connect People podcast.